Well, good morning and welcome to worship. Happy New Year. Now, we say Happy New Year tongue-in-cheek right now because we don't know what kind of year we're walking into together, right? But we're going to trust in God. We're going to trust that God goes before us. He's going to walk with us. He's going to be above us to keep us safe. He's going to be beneath us to hold us up as we go into 2021. If you believe that, say amen. Who knows what amen means? I agree. Yeah, amen means I agree, or that is certainly true. Well, as we're in the second week of our Strong in the Lord series, as Heather said a minute ago, we're going to be breaking down different parts of Roman armor. Now, why would we want to do that? Because, you know, these days, really the only chance that you have to wear Roman armor is on Halloween. You can rent a Roman armor costume at the Halloween store and wear that Roman armor with pride, But what we don't want to do is we don't want to minimize the enemy that the Scripture has brought to our attention. So we're going to be talking in detail today about the first piece of armor that we're going to be focusing on here at TSN. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, though, let's invite our kids to join our Kid Street staff in the back of the room, raising their hands and saying good morning and hello to you guys. And let's invite our 4- to 10-year-olds to trail along after them back to the next room to have some time together in Kid Street. All right, you guys have fun. Well, the enemy is not a playtime enemy. The enemy is a real one. In fact, in the scripture, it talks about Satan in very serious terms. Satan's outfit is another costume you can get at the Halloween store around October, just like the Roman armor outfit you might be able to find. But Satan is not a plaything. He is not imaginary. He is a real enemy. And so the scripture deals with him in the only way that is appropriate to deal with Satan. It is a total and utter smackdown of Satan. And here's how that works in your life. God has given you a set of armor. He's given you a set of tools by which you can approach the enemy and see, that to, see those tools and see that outfit work in your average everyday life. I want to draw our attention back to Ephesians chapter 6, and this is really just the first half of the suit of armor. I want to repeat the scripture for you if you want to follow along on the screen. It says in Romans 6, 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Now, I want you to lock this idea, this imagery in your head of a Roman centurion. And I'm going to show you an image here in a couple of minutes that will help with this. Here's what the scripture says next in verse 14. It says, stand firm. So the objective in the middle of this battle is to do what, class? It is to stand, right, and to keep your firm footing. Verse 14 says, Stand firm there with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your, check this, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I'd like for you to repeat and read that bolded section with me. Ready? One, two, three. Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Let's do it one more time and lock it in. Ready? Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You know, this time of year, footwear is very important, isn't it? In fact, you can find women's boots on Amazon.com or wherever you like to buy your shoes. Maybe it's shoes.com. 
You can also find some kicks on there. Or if you like me, you like to buy Skechers as often as you can because, hey, why lace up your shoes if you could just slip them on, right, fellas? I mean, come on, let's be real. But one thing you don't usually find this time of year is a sandal. You don't usually find people wearing sandals. Now, I grew up in the South where when I was in college, there was a dude in one of my classes, no matter what time of year it was, January, February, July, didn't matter, this guy wore T-shirts, shorts, and sandals. And he kind of stood apart on campus because even if there was a little snow flurry going on outside, the guy was still in sandals. And when we think about the Roman centurion, a guy who would have had a full suit of armor, as Heather said a couple of minutes ago, you don't usually think of a Roman centurion as one wearing sandals. Now, I've got this pair of sandals as a part of our sort of example, you know, Roman armor outfit. And you're going to be seeing pieces of these each week. These look like leather sandals that you might wear, you know, on a nice warm summer day. But they don't necessarily look like what you would need when you're going into what? battle. So this is a little bit different situation. Today, what we're talking about is a little bit different kind of sandal. In fact, in in some terms, you could say that this wasn't really a sandal. It was more like a boot that was made out of leather, and it had sort of a wraparound toe on some versions of it. But what I want to draw your attention to is the fact that you've got what are called these little hobnails that are nailed into the bottom of this leather boot. And what made these boots so useful to the Roman soldier was the fact that no matter what kind of ground he was standing on at the moment, his feet were firm. Not because he was wearing flip-flops like my friend was to class, but because he was wearing a boot that had been designed with what? With little nails in it that could keep his feet firmly grasped firmly placed on whatever kind of ground he found himself on. Now, the Romans fought in the snow. The Romans fought in the mud. The Romans fought in sand. The Romans fought in the forest. They fought in all kinds of different settings. And they didn't have necessarily a whole different line of fashionable battle wear for their feet to carry around. So they had to design this footwear to be able to travel to different kinds of settings and to give soldiers the security they needed when they put their feet on the battlefield. So the question for us today comes down to this. Now, I had you repeat a phrase a couple of minutes ago, right? Feet fitted with the readiness that comes with what? The gospel of peace. Now, the reason we here at TSN are starting with the feet Well, it's because we're sharing the armor and we got the feet first, okay? But that happens to work out well for us because if you think about it, if your feet are not firmly equipped on the battlefield, does it really matter what other kind of armor you got? No, because if you're barefoot on the field of battle, you're done, aren't you? Not only are you vulnerable from things coming at you, but you're vulnerable just to the terrain, So when the scripture talks about this readiness, the question for this morning for you and me is, what are we to be ready for? Well, the idea is this. We're talking about firm footing. And especially during a time of year when we tend to slip around in the snow and in the ice, it's a good reminder of what God would have for us to be prepared for all kinds of terrain. And there's a reason for that. 
the reason that God calls and equips us to be prepared for all kinds of terrain, believe it or not, and I want you to catch this, it's because that's where the people who don't know him yet are. Now, I don't know if that's good English or not, but let me say it again. All kinds of terrain is where the people who don't know God yet are. And so when he calls us into their presence, into their life, when he takes my life and puts it, transects it into the life of someone that's in a different kind of environment than me, that doesn't necessarily have faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what he's doing is he's giving us the tools we need to go into that environment. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's giving us a readiness. He's given us a preparedness that comes with a basis of the good news of Jesus, the gospel of peace. That is this, that we have peace with God. He has made peace with us by doing what? By sending his son Jesus to the cross to die and then three days later rise from the grave, conquering death and hell and the devil, our chief enemy, now and forever. Look back at the scripture from Romans 10 with me. It says this in Romans 10, 14. How then can they, people who have not yet entered into a relationship with God, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now, you can see very clearly this morning that I am occupying the office of pastor up here and preaching to you. Do you have to be a pastor to preach? No. In fact, the scripture gets into uh, the background of this word that's used for preaching more from the angle of proclaiming. It's kind of like the idea of, you know, Paul Revere writing in and saying to what? To the people. What does Paul Revere say? Kids in school? The British are coming. He's acting as a herald. He's giving people a warning. He's telling people that something is coming. But heralds not only brought bad news, heralds also brought good news. And in this case, you and I are called to be heralds of the good news of Jesus. We're called not necessarily to stand in the middle of the street in our neighborhood and yell out, Jesus is king and Jesus is coming. Which, by the way, if you did that, that would be kind of cool, right? But we're not necessarily called to do that. What we're called to do is to participate in the sharing of the good news as a herald would do, sharing that good news is coming. That is work you and I can both do. You don't have to be a pastor. In fact, you really shouldn't think of the office of proclaiming, the opportunity of proclaiming in alignment with a pastor. Don't think of it that way. Now, we happen to get to do this as a regular part of our work, but the main power of God's proclamation of Jesus doesn't come through pastors. Who does it come through? It comes through you. You are the one. God is called and equipped to proclaim this good news. Remember, we are fitted in the feet with the readiness, the preparedness, the ability to pull on the drop of a hat the good news of Jesus, and that is that we've got peace with God. Remember that phrase, based on the peace of God? And that is something that you and I together can do, whether we're standing out front preaching on Sunday morning or sitting in a coffee shop someday with no mask and no social distancing 
and having a couple of lattes with our friend who we got to hug when we came in the door. I want you to keep that vision in front of you, my friend. One day it is coming. Praise be to God, right? Or even in times of quarantine, when we get together and have a conversation or spend some time online texting or messaging to each other, we have under that message an understanding, a basis of peace in God. And God says, at any moment, somebody in your life who is in terrain that is not peaceful can hear from you the good news of Jesus because you are prepared to go into that environment with feet that are fully fitted to go into that environment. Think about that. Somebody's having a hard time with what's going on politically, and they're on social media with it. Can you bring the peace of God that passes understanding into that conversation without preaching? Yeah, you can bring hope. Because, my friends, there are lots of people who put hope in politics. Politics is where their faith is placed. That is not the living God. You have the ability to share with people, no matter what they believe about politics, that their God loves them and that there is always what? There's always hope. Or you may be having a conversation with a family member who's struggling with their body, having aches and pains and breaking down. And maybe they've been in the hospital. Maybe they had COVID. Maybe they had the flu. Maybe they've had something difficult that they're struggling with in their bodies. And they're despairing over that in some way, in some small way. You can bring to them hope. You're prepared to go into that environment because your feet are fully fitted with a readiness that only comes from God. The basis of that fitting is peace with God. So with that person, you can bring the idea that there is hope. Whether our bodies recover in this life or not, who do we face at the end of this life? A living, loving God. And why wait until the end of this life to face him? Why not face him now? See him in his eyes full of love right now. See him as the king of our heart right now. See him as the one who has given us a peace to share. You know, further on down in that scripture in verse 15, it says, how can anyone preach unless they're sent? I want you to really feel this part of the message today. Really take this personally. This word sent, the way it's positioned in the original language means this. It means that you are sent with a destination in mind. That God has sent you to be a part of what's proclaimed in the good news of Jesus with an outcome in mind. A destination that is fixed. In other words, God doesn't just send you out and say, go preach and hope some of it sticks to the wall. God has placed you among people that you will have a unique voice in sharing that peace of God with that nobody else can do. Now, we like to say that a lot here. You're the only one who can do you. You're the only one who can speak from the faith you have. But I want you to hear that the scripture calls you forward with purpose and with planning and with destination in mind. And that destination is the peace of God. You can and only you can share with those people who are online, those people who are struggling with their bodies, those people who've lost work, those people who are dealing with depression and despair, those people who are in all kinds of adverse terrains 
that our feet are equipped and fitted to walk into. Do you follow what I'm saying this morning? We are outfitted for that work. And I love the scripture that's quoted, and we'll look at the Isaiah version here in a second. It says, the second half of verse 15, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, what does the scripture not say? It doesn't say how beautiful are the mouths of those who bring good news. Now, what does that mean? It means your feet come first, that God has said to go. And so this life of following Jesus is a life of following him. It is a life of activity. It is a life of moving into new environments that you weren't prepared to go into until Jesus got a hold of you. And when he got a hold of you, he fitted your feet to walk into that environment. He put those little nails in the bottom of your battle sandals so that you could go into places that you're uncomfortable with. And he calls you to go there because he will be there with you. He's given you what you need. Look at the Isaiah version of the scripture that is quoted by Paul. It says, how beautiful on the mountains. Now, how do you get to the top of a mountain? Heather and I got a chance over the, the holiday break to go down to Tennessee and just be alone in a cabin on the side of a mountain. That was awesome. You know, and we just got to hang out and watch TV and overeat, you know, and just do super fun, you know, just nothing, absolutely nothing. But I kid you not, the driveway to the cabin was at a 40 degree pitch. So the car we were driving, you know, happens to have four wheel drive. And, you know, I even encouraged the cars. We were going up the hill. Come on, giddy up. Come on, you could do it. Come on, giddy up. A little train that could, right? Because at one point there was snow and ice in that area. And we were like, whoa, are we going to make it up there? But to get to the top of a mountain, what do you got to do? You got to be in motion. You got to be moving. Look at what the scripture says. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, which is now us, your God reigns. Which means there's never a moment in your life when you are sharing who you are in Jesus Christ that your God isn't in command of that conversation. There's never a moment when your God is not present in that work. He is there working in you and through you. So what we focus on today is this idea that God has called us to proclaim. He has sent us with a destination in mind, and he has sent us to actually go there, not to think about going there, not to pray about going there, not to plan in a strategic plan to go there and then not go there, but to actually go there. And as he calls us into that, we focus on this word sent. Remember this word sent for you means this, that Christ is sending you into a terrain that you might not be comfortable with, He's sending you into an environment that you may never have been in before. He's sending you into a conversation, into an opportunity that you may not have anticipated. And when he does this, he sends you in equipped, prepared, fit, and ready. Maybe that sentness for you is in your calendar. 
You know, as we've been in quarantine together, I don't know about you, but my life has slowed down a little bit. And the reason I know that is because having experienced the quarantine taught me how very busy I was before the quarantine. If you agree with that, can you say amen? We had to stop, didn't we? We had to distance. We had to slow down on the conversations. We couldn't go meet face-to-face for coffee anymore. Coffee shops were closed. We were closed. Even worship was closed for a while. We all had to come to a screeching halt. But my friend, as the quarantine comes to an end in the next few days and weeks and months, as the vaccine begins to be proliferate throughout the whole culture and people start to get the vaccine and there's herd immunity and all these other scientific things, our life is going to start to open back up again. The temptation for us is going to be to be busier than we ever were before. But the opportunity is this, to understand that when that calendar begins to open and blossom, just like spring flowers will one day, as that calendar begins to open up and blossom, God has specific times, places, and people in that calendar that he has set apart for you and the conversation in which you will share the peace of God. Maybe the conversation happens after you get a chance to serve someone. Maybe you get to help clean up the home of a person who's having physical difficulties and can't clean up. Maybe you get to prepare meals for someone who doesn't have the opportunity or just can't cook. Maybe you have the opportunity to take someone somewhere someday that can't get there by themselves. And while that's happening, maybe you have a chance to share the peace of God that passes all understanding and that serves as the basis of your readiness. Think about that. As your calendar opens up, will you see the opportunity to be sent? And the fact is, you're already sent. Will you see the opportunity to act upon that sentness as the calendar opens up? Gosh, that's my prayer for me, and it's my prayer for you. Because the opportunity for us, just like has been said about this virus thing, the opportunity for us is unprecedented. And we have the chance to be ready to jump when the opportunity shows itself. The good news is that God has not only called us into that opportunity, but he's done what? He's not given us a a set of flip-flops to wear into battle. What has he given us? He's given us a battle boot that has spikes in it. So the weather we're standing on, snow, sand, mud, or forest green, we're prepared for whatever we face and whoever God has placed there for us to meet. To join me in prayer.